Hi, I'm Mike Shea with SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish. And this is the DM's Deep Dive right here on the Don't Split the Podcast Network. This is a show in which we pick a particular topic of interest in the world of Dungeons and Dragons and find an expert for this topic and dive deep into it. And today I am here with David Chris from Baldwin Games. David, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, as you said, my name's uh, David Christ. I own and run Bald Man Games. I'm the uh, senior DM uh, for Wizards of the Coast events. Uh, I run things such as uh, Gen Con, Origins, uh, we do PAXs. Uh, we just did the D&D Alive event in May out in California. Uh, so my job is gathering DMs, training DMs, and getting people rolling dice at tables. Awesome. So um, a couple of quick questions before I dive into the, the deep questions. Uh, how many, so how many conventions do you run a year? Uh, it depends. Um, I've done as many as six or seven okay. in a year. Um, I have three core ones that I do every year, which is Winter Fantasy, uh, Origins, and of course, next week, the granddaddy of all Gen Con. Right. Uh, and then I have smaller ones that swirl around, such as the D&D Live events, uh, PAX Prime. Uh, we're looking at PAX Unplugged, mm -hmm. PAX East, you know, as, as needed. But the three core never change. Right, right. And how many D&D games happen at these conventions? Um, so for an example, at a Gen Con, Gen Con, we will normally run about 75 to 100 to 8,000 people through a game of D&D &D in about three and a half days. Eight, so how many games? So uh, that would work out to what is so that? 8,000 people? 8,000 people. Can, so we're, we're talking 1,400 yeah. tables worth of games. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, and that's one event. Yeah. And so that's just, yeah, just one event. You know, we're often working on multiple events. Uh, right. Gen Con, sometimes we'll have 100 tables playing at one time. At one time. And so that's, and so how many DMs do you typically see at a convention? Like, so if you got 100 tables, you got at least 100 DMs. Well, exactly. So at Gen Con, I think this year we're at 192. 192 at Gen Con. Uh, to make everything work. Right. Uh, we actually start at 8 a.m. in the morning and we finish at 1 a.m. at night each day. <laughs> so we're doing basically 17 hours of D&D a day. Uh, right. so it, takes a, it takes a big crew to keep keep that machine chugging along. Right. So the, the, the reason I, I wanted to have you on the show, I was very excited. You and I had a conversation at Winter Fantasy earlier this year. I don't know if you remember because you talked to a lot of people. But, um, and, and I, I kind of like hinted at some of the questions we're going to talk to today. But the reason why I think your experience is so interesting is because I don't, I, 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 you, I'll make this statement. You can say like, no, actually there's this other guy in Europe. But it seems like you have, you touch more Dungeon Masters uh, figuratively speaking, than anybody in the world? Um, I would be hard-pressed to think of somebody that, that that's had more. Yeah. Uh, so, like, a bunch of us jackasses are on Twitter all the time talking about our opinions about what people should be doing when it comes to dungeon mastering. And then you're handling, like, 400 dungeon masters a year. Right? Yeah, um, Being, okay. and, yeah sorry. Yeah, Gen, Con's my, Gen Con will be my 52nd major show that I've done <laughs> next week. Um, you know, through all those shows, I've probably had probably close to 2,500 uh, different DMs work for right, me over right. 
almost the last 20 years. So yeah, and, and beyond you walking around and kind of seeing how things are going and having people come up to the, the counter and talk to you and having the, 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 the you know, DMs come and talk to you and you talking to them during your group meetings and stuff, you also survey all of the players that sit down at all of these tables yep. to, to, to kind of get a gauge of how things went. But when did that start? When did you start doing um, that? I think we did our first test of that in it was 2014 or 2015 i think is uh you know we used to do it you know we used to have this thing of you know we want to identify the bad eggs as fast as possible <laughs> right we either help them right they right. just might need a little training or they might just be a bad egg and we need to get rid of them right uh, but then we realized that we could also use it to reward mm -hmm the good people as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually brought in some college professors and some school teachers who mm -hmm. actually do this kind of metric testing and questions. And, you know, we actually put a lot of work into the survey of how, of how we word the questions and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's exceeded my expectations. Really? And then you're able to really use what you got from that to, to kind of turn that back around into making the whole program better. Exactly. It, 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 it helped, you know, as much as I'd love to sit down at every table and see how every DM judges and mm -hmm. kind of rank them on, hey, you're doing really good, you're doing really bad. It's just mm -hmm. physically impossible, sure. you know, to do that. So, not, you know, I always thought that this was going to help me identify the bad people fast. Mm -hmm. But what it turned out doing is it let me identify the good ones. And right. that, that kind of led to the Herald's program, right? Which led to the Herald's program. You know, they were tied into, you know, we wanted to have this system where, you know, you went up in levels in a guild. Well, what do you need to go up a level? I need feedback, you know. You know, we wanted to get to a place where the guild members actually voted for themselves. Like you mm -hmm. can only get to a certain level without being voted by your peers. Right. So how do we put together a system where your peers can actually recognize you for the good things that you're doing? Right. And, uh, you know, to date, we've collected almost 40,000 survey forms. Wow. Um, so we've gotten a lot of really great data. Man, do you, have, do you have like a, like a CSV, like an Excel spreadsheet you could send me? Oh, of all. I, would love, I would love to chew on 40,000 rows of d, &D data. <laughs> so I'm actually my normal, my, my day job, I'm actually a database guy. Yeah. I build finance database systems. So of mm -hmm. course it's all in a database and query. <laughs> oh man, I want it so bad. You can anonymize it. You can pull all the people out. Just give me the scores. There's just lots, there's oh. lots of good information in there. Oh, I'd love to see it. And then after every show, we actually send a report out to every individual DM mm -hmm. telling them what the average was for the show, as well as where Ooh. they fell on that scale. Oh, that's got to hurt for some people. It can, you know, yeah. but some people take it really well of, <laughs> hey, you know, I really wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. Interesting. The numbers show it. Yeah. You know, and they step up, you know, other ones stamp their feet. And, right. You know, so this is this is exactly what I want to get into in the show today, right? Because again, like we have a whole bunch of people that have a whole bunch of opinions, right? And they're like DMs of one and they have them and their six players and and then what they see on on the internet. And then we have you with 40,000 surveys of of DMs. So I want to start with my first real question of the okay. show, which is given all of what you have seen, all of the feedback you've received from these surveys, all of what you've experienced running, you know, how, what you said 50, 50 big shows. Yeah, 50 right? and thousands of thousands of you know, God, was that tens of thousands? So actually, of so Gen Con, thousands of Gen Con next week should put me over a hundred and fifty thousand people that we've run through yeah, a game. Yeah. With so one hundred fifty thousand people. <laughs> so with all of that that you have seen, what are the top three tips that that you have 
based on what you have seen from that, from all that experience? Um, so top three. Um, so the top three that I think would like make a really good DM yeah. is uh, one of them. It's about the group, not you. Mm -hmm. um, and this goes back to some of the worst traits we see in DMs that really run into problems. Mm -hmm. You know, D&D &D is a collaborative story, you know, and as a DM, you have to realize that even though you're the DM, the players have almost as much control or they should have almost as much control as you do as the DM. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your dice and you're fudging things sometimes and unfudging things all in, all in serving the story. Not, um, a, not an organized play though, right? You never cheat in organized play. Well, never, but never. you know what? It's actually funny. That's one of the things, you know, it's about the group, not you. Right. You know, realize that by bringing the group and making them part of the story, you're going to run a better table. Mm -hmm. uh, number one is have fun. Right. You know, if the DM is having fun and smiling and laughing, then odds are the players are going to be as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I have my pre-show meetings, the first thing I harp on isn't knowing all the rules. It's mm -hmm. not knowing every quirk, every power combo, every cheese weasel move. Mm -hmm. Number one thing I tell every DM is have fun. Mm -hmm. If you're running fun, I mean, if you're running a fun game, everything else takes care of itself. And if you do run into a hiccup, that hiccup goes a lot smoother when everybody's laughing about it mm -hmm. than when everybody's stressed out about it. Right. <laughs> um, and that kind of goes into the third one is nothing goes as planned, mm -hmm. but disasters are fun. You know, and when you're sitting at a table with six effectively random people that mm -hmm. might, you know, it can be intimidating when you sit down at a table and all six of the players act like they've known each other since second grade. Right. And you're the outside, you know what? And you're the outside person. Right. You know, but if you roll with the punches, things turn out better more often than not. Mm -hmm. Uh oh. I'm trying to save my notes. I'm writing frantically because this is such great stuff. <laughs> and then I almost overwrote another file. So we're all good now. Um, that's, yeah. So, so what, so there's, there's the tips that you would give to a new DM. The, the, those, that's great. Like all of the experience of what you've seen when you sit down with new DMs before a show, you, you, you give them these pieces of feedback so that when they go out there, yeah. they're armed with this stuff. Uh, but there's also like the traits that you've seen of the, of the, the highest scoring. I mean, there's, I'm, you know, I don't want to harp on the scoring. Like obviously metrics are, I'm a big, Yep. data nerd too right but you also know them too so and 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 having that mixture like data only works well when it's also going through the brains of people who understand what it means yep. so what would you say are the top traits of the best dms you have run into um i would say one of the first ones is preparation um mm -hmm. you know we've all come into our home game or another game where we didn't quite get to prepare that week as well as we wish we could have mm -hmm. you know and it kind of shows um, if you prepare your material well, if you read it, you reread it, you make a bunch of notes, mm -hmm. you're much better able to deal with the random things that happen mm -hmm. when you're not also worrying about what the next encounter is, mm -hmm. you know, when you know what, you know, and that kind of ties into the second part of, you know, a good DM prepares, a good DM is ready to improvise, mm -hmm. you know, in order to improvise, once again, if you don't prepare, it's really hard to improvise. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that comes into our brains and how we multitask. You know, mm -hmm. everybody thinks they're awesome at multitasking, but it's study after study. <laughs> you know? First of all, there is no such thing. Exactly. There's only task switching. And exactly. we all suck at it, right? We're processing tasks in a row. 
you know, but right. the better you know the adventure, mm -hmm. the less brain power you're spending on mm -hmm. trying to remember what you're supposed to do instead of doing something fun, mm -hmm. uh, right? And, you know, so those two really tie into each other a lot. Yeah. You know, and the last one is, you know, smile. Mm -hmm. It's a game, have fun. You know, it's the DMs. Is that, that, is that, a, is that a trait you see in DMs? Those it are, is. It's yeah. uh, if you start stressing out, mm -hmm. it leaks through into the rest of the game, right? You could be totally a train wreck inside, right? Mm -hmm. You could be a train wreck inside. But if you're smiling and having fun, mm -hmm. the game runs better. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's there to have fun. Right. And if you're as a DM, if you're stressing out and you're flipping through papers and you're reading the next paragraph and everybody's staring at you, now you get more stressed out, they get mm -hmm. more stressed out, everything goes downhill. Right. right. You know, the good DM knows to be like, you know, hey, you know, this is a great place for us to take a 10 minute break. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he yeah. needs a second to regroup or maybe right. somebody at the table is having a rough time and he needs to pull them off to the side. You know, it's all that comes with preparing. Mm -hmm you know, and goes from there. So, yeah, so you're, you're, you know, the, the smile and, and, and keep your, you know, try to push the stress away and have fun, uh, sort of matches the, one of the tips you gave for new DMs. So I'm going to ask you for a fourth. Uh, what is a, what is a fourth trait you have seen among, among the best DMs that you've worked with? Best DMs that we've worked with. Fourth trait. Mm -hmm. Put me on the spot. Put me on the spot. That's okay. I'm trying to think. There's so many things bouncing, bouncing through my head. Um, you know, part of me is like, oh, the guy that prepares really good miniatures, but I know just as many people that do theater of the mind and mm -hmm. it works really well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pulling a blank. We might have to circle back. All right, we'll come back. Keep, keep that in your, <laughs> multi in multitask that one. Put that on one of the back processors and we'll come back. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to harp too much on, on, "Quote unquote bad DMs, right? But the the DMs the the DMs that have received, uh, you know, the harshest feedback. What are the common traits that you have seen there? Um, Mostly from the point of view of things we can avoid. I I assume you could take these three and flip them around, right? You flip like, them around a bit. Uh, but one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest complaints we get, and one of the easiest way to get low ratings is a dm who says i'm telling my story you're just along for the ride mm -hmm. right and we've all had those games where you're like yeah the dm just told me to roll dice now and then i don't think it really mattered and we kind of got to the end and i'm not sure how we got there but <laughs> hey then we all went and got lunch right, right. The, you know it's the dm who's so certain that the way that they're running the game is the perfect way to run the game, mm -hmm. that they just ignore all the feedback they're getting, yeah. right? All the stimuli that's telling them that they're going down the wrong path. You know, it's the DM who thinks he's perfectly and always right yeah. is usually the one that's going to get crappy ratings. Are you familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect? Yeah. Yeah, so this is, this feels like, I don't know if it's exactly that, because I bet some of the, these people maybe have played a long time, but. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the Dunning-Kruger effect is when you think you're really good and you're really not, and then when you don't think you're particularly good is when you're actually growing and getting better. Exactly, you're growing and getting better. Some of our best DMs lately have been some of the newest people to the game. Yeah. And I think part of that's because they're not encumbered by all this baggage of previous editions that's and previous expectations. Yeah. And, you know, they, they get it. They're just there to have fun, and it shows. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, the, the DM, and it's funny because those DMs get their ratings and they almost self-select themselves out of the, out of the group, right? Does, because they get those mean? ratings. And then they're like, this isn't for me. And, they, and well, they look at them and go, this is hogwash. This is junk. I know I'm a good DM. I'm a <laughs> right. But it's that same thing. It's, you know, either confirmation bias or unconfirmation right. bias. And, they, right? do they, and then they leave the program. And usually, yeah, because usually, you know, usually you have to be pretty bad for us to boot you out initially. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be, I mean, we've had ones where they haven't even made it through a show and I've been like, you know what, we're done. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> to leave. Um, inappropriate humor at tables. Yeah, sure. Okay. You, know, you can, yeah. the things that we just don't accept. Yeah, right. Um, but so another one we get is, and it kind of ties into what makes a good DM. Like you said, it's the flip, not being prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, when you come to a convention, it's your vacation, right? You're taking mm-hmm. time off. You're spending right. money, especially right. like a Gen Con, right? You're spending right. flying out there. Yeah. To be at this show, right? Sit down at a table and the DM goes, one sec and stares down behind us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Your numbers are falling really, really quickly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you know, you got to be, you know, you got to be prepared. Yeah, you know so what? He, yeah, he, everybody would be like, "Oh, whatever." Bob's gonna go grab a smoke. You catch up. I'm gonna get some tacos. Right? You kind of <laughs> roll with it, right? At a game convention, I got a game in three and a half hours. Right? We need to get this show running because I have somewhere else I need to be, and I paid for a cool DDN game. Yeah, right. You know, not to stare at the top of your head. Right, right. So the uh, you mentioned preparation both as a good and a bad, or both as a trait of somebody who uh, you know are are definitely holding their own and those who are not are are not holding their own uh what are the things that that they are preparing you mentioned like reading and taking notes what what else um some things i see that people do and things that help me as well i said i've been playing since 82 Mm -hmm. um you know i (laughs) way too long when i actually think about it (laughs) um you know they write npc names right pronounce them ahead of time you know, because as we know, reading a name and actually saying it out loud to a, a table is two different things. Right. Um, they put monster stats on cards, right? Mm-hmm. They get initiative trackers and have them ready. Uh, some DMs will pre-roll initiatives for their monsters, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just waiting for the players' numbers and they're just slotting them in. Right. You know, these are all things that give the table, the players have confidence of, hey, this guy's got his shizzle together right they already know what yeah they know what they're doing because right see those type of things um you know we have you know one of the things that we do to help our dms is we actually have forums before the shows Mm -hmm. that group together all the dms that are running the similar tracks of adventures so you're and we actually bring in the authors and the editors so that they can actually talk through these adventures from start to finish before Mm -hmm. the show ever starts so they can be like, hey, I'm confused about this part. And another DM will step up and go, oh, yeah, I was confused, too. That's on page five. Oh, cool. Right. It's those things of by reading it and preparing it, they're finding the parts that are confusing them and going and finding the answers before they're actually sitting at the show where they can't do them anymore. Um, besides the stuff you mentioned, is there any other uh, sort of high impact bit of preparation, particularly something that a home DM could also do? Um, that that seemed to make a big difference. <laughs> you know, 
I swear people get a slight point bump with their ratings when they use candy as monsters. <laughs> Timeless classic. You know, it might be, it might be, you Ooh, know, I love this game. Starburst. I'm jacked up on sugar. You know, Starburst will get you a little bit, but you know, if you throw out some, some mini Reese's peanut butter cups as monsters, you'll find that. that... So, so in your experience and, and your, you know, in your view, which is better, having the exact right miniature to represent every monster or having it represented by a Reese's peanut butter cup? I would probably say Reese's peanut butter really? cup. Really? Right? That's significantly cheaper. It is significantly <laughs> cheaper. Exactly. Especially when you're running higher level events that you use. <laughs> like with all your, then you got to put like a full size Reese's peanut butter cup because it's got to stand <laughs> up for a gargantuan. Exactly. They didn't make those big peanut butter cups. <laughs> you're fighting Orcus. I brought this pie. You know, but it but it's funny because there's the flip side that to the person who has the terrain and the minis can make a really awesome experience, mm -hmm. right? But I've seen the flip side of that where the person with the awesome minis and terrain is so focused mm -hmm. on the awesome mini and the terrains. They forget the five other people sitting around. That the they forget all the other stuff. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I I had that conversation on Twitter too about like you know, if you are a player walking in and you had a choice of what table you're going to and you see like one person who's got nothing and one person's got like a, you know, $500 Dwarven Forge set up, you know, who do you choose? And, and people said like, well, I don't know, that Dwarven Forge set up looks pretty great. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if that means it's going to be any good at all. Exactly. You know, the guy with the, the, no guy, the guy with the empty table doing theater of the mind. Right. Maybe. Might have a really great game. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, it's, you're right. It's, it's fancy window dressing. Right. But you know, it might be bait and switch and you right. might not, you know, you're not, yeah, might, right. it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, if they're not doing the other things, right. If they're not prepared exactly. with the adventure, if they're not thinking about the group and the fact that the group is bringing the story to the table, if they're not having fun and smiling. Yeah. But know. most of the time, if somebody spent the effort to actually get the miniatures and everything yeah. together, yeah. that goes back to the prepared part. Mm -hmm. You know, and they'll usually right. run a pretty good game. Yeah, they they read. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, do you have any any tips for brand? So you've you've had to deal with new DMs now. Deal with as though they're a pain in the ass. You've you've worked with new DMs a lot over the years. A ton. We have right? like every almost fifty of them at Gen Con are new DMs that really? I've never used before. Yeah. So when you besides the 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 you know, is there any advice you give to them that's different from the advice you've been giving so far? Um, we use, so one of the great things at the Herald's Guild, you know, is we have a colored shirt system. Right. And I actually based the colored shirt system off the old, uh, basic expert companion masters. <laughs> really? Exactly. So it's actually, it goes red, blue, a green, yeah. black. So it's actually based off the old box sets from the eighties, wow. you know, the Frank Menser or, yeah. or, you know, sets. Um, and it's great though, because the new DMs are reds, you know, so we make fun of them as red shirts, right? right. You know, it's like, no, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to make you go get coffee. Right. But um, <laughs> it, you know, we always say, you know, when we have a really high retention rate with our DMs mm -hmm. because it, it becomes part of a family, it's right. like a fraternity, right? You kind of earn your stripes, you know, by, by running at a big convention like a Gen Con. Um, and we do a lot of mentoring. Right. And it's where we assign our higher level DMs to the lower DMs because that new player may feel a bit intimidated coming and chatting with me at HQ or mm -hmm. chatting with somebody at HQ because they're like, oh, I don't want to ask this question. It's going to make me, I'm going to be dumb. Right. right. They're going to be like, oh, how can you not know the answer to that question? <laughs> but they don't feel that same with their fellow DM. 
Hmm. Right. So they'll walk up to that person with the blue shirt mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, I have this question. Would you help me out? Right. Right. And so we, we, we kind of, t- that's one of the big things we do with our new DMS is like, Hey, you know, when you're, when you go to run this event and all the DMS are gathering up beforehand, there's going to be red shirts, blue shirts, green shirts. You know, if you have any questions and it could just be simple as, Hey, what's the checkout time at the hotel? Mm-hmm. And you know, they're going to step up and help you. Mm-hmm. And we found that, by eliminating as many of those worries that are in their heads before the before the convention happens or early on, lets them focus on running a game, mm-hmm. and then they relax, and then it takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there a is there a way to kind of transfer that idea to home DMs? If there's a brand new home DM, is there is there a, you know like men, is is mentorship, you know, finding the other more you know experienced DMs who have been around the road. Finding the right ones. That's the, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's finding, you know, it's finding the right ones. Cause right. as we all know, you know, there's plenty of DMs out there who are more than willing to give you their, their and opinion. The, on the stronger what, their opinion, the more they fall into that category of people who exactly. know everything and don't need any help. Right. They know everything and don't need any help. Uh, yeah. We've actually done, I think we have four of them up right now. We actually have four seminars up aimed at new D, uh, uh, seminars, webinars, and other videos that we did of, uh, um seminars at gen con mm-hmm. you know that we recorded that are actually aimed at new dms getting into judging mm-hmm. you know uh they are a little more aimed at the convention you sure. know because convention you're going to get six random people right again right. you're usually and, not and, going to get six and your clock is super tight and... you know random people yeah. um you know so mentoring would be really great but you know it's I don't know. We're all very stubborn in our own little way. And I get yeah. it myself as well. Of I have the way that I DM and I think it works perfect. Right. But at the same time, I know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, we, do, we do have that advantage now of like, because the internet and, you know, as, since, as the guy with 40,000 player surveys, like we have a little bit more statistical significance when we can go hit up 50 DMs. And, yep. and kind of see where do, where do people generally lie with this? Yeah, where do people normally go go yeah. wrong? You know, where do you people know, but, go wrong, or where do they go right, or what what are what are some ways I can handle this? I think the internet, the internet's done many terrible things, but it's also done many many good things. And one of them is the ability to ask a question and get fifty DMs to kind of answer it. I think is a exactly. Problem. You know, when we were younger and we had a question at the bar, we just argued. Right. <laughs> right. There was no way to know the answer. Yeah, memorizing baseball stats was important. Exactly. Yeah. Now all those arguments last thirty seconds until right. somebody pulls their phone out. Somebody so there's good it. and they're bad. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So obviously, there's some big differences between organized play games and 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 running, you know, doing well running an organized play game and running home games. Um, you know, and I don't I don't want to conflate the two too much, right? That being good at one means you're good at the other, or yeah. being bad at one means you're bad at the other. What what would you see as sort of the, the big differences there? Uh, so one of the big differences that I think you'd see between an organized play and a home game is um, in a home game, the story conforms to the characters. In a convention game, it is the reverse. Um, you know, at the convention, you're sitting down to play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, Baron Bob of the Burger Barn once you know to hire you to go do something it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter who you are your choice <laughs> is right i either have to help <laughs> or i go to another table. Burger, right 
or dang it, I'm in the coffee line, <laughs> again, coffee for the rest of the table. Right. Um, in a home game, that doesn't work that way, right? In the home game, if, you know, the king comes up and asks you to help him, you could all sneak away and go, you know what, we're just going to rob this guy and we're going to head one kingdom over. <laughs> right. And you can do that, which right. is great in a home game, but it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work right. in, a, in a convention game. Now, a really good convention DM would be like, okay, cool, you can do that. Right. He would railroad you right back to the plot. <laughs> figure out how to yeah. realizing it, right? Right. And that I guess I guess that goes back. What's a really good trait of a good DM? The ability to railroad the party without them ever knowing it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's we've all done it. And when it when you do it perfectly, you chuckle to yourself and don't let anybody know that you've done it. Right. Um, but that's one of the big differences. Um, you know, in a home game side quests and side treks are a feature right convention they're a bug right. <laughs> you know it's you can't chat with the with the barmaid for an hour and a half at the convention game mm -hmm. um not if you actually want to get to the end of the story right um you know that and i think the home game advantage is just much better food you know <laughs> food sucks um you know it's you know it's the eight dollar plastic burger and <laughs> Right. the four dollar soda you know, <laughs> the the guy that brings the pizza mm -hmm. and the soda at the home game it's right. just much superior to the convention right right so. yeah and there's there's something that that you know i think it's absolutely fascinating kind of i mean all i do is think about dnd all the time right and there's some one of the absolute fascinating ideas of this is that we have this huge community now it's way it's so much bigger so huge. than i've seen it right and, and, you know, I, I'll have these conversations with hundreds of people a week, sometimes a day, talking about this topic. But the reality is then we all go to our home with our five friends in our living room, totally isolated from the rest of the world, and we run our own games. And when you, when you look at the DMs who may have scored low as a, as a convention DM, they might have this, you know, or, or the ones that say, like, I'm really good and you're, you know, everyone else is a jerk. They, they, as far as them and their five friends are concerned, they may be right, right? Like yep. it might, it might not matter because it doesn't matter to the rest of the world what happens at that table. Yeah, I had that happen. Uh, that probably that exact thing about ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, a couple of my friends who are in the industry uh, were recommending a guy that ran the home game in their local town. Mm -hmm. And these are, I mean, if I said these names, everybody would know who they are. And they're like, this guy runs the most awesome game in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do some work with them. And it fell apart quickly because hmm. he couldn't work within the framework of organized play. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. He was the, so greatest, off the right. He was yeah. the greatest home game person ever. Mm -hmm. But when you started putting this structure of, Hey, these things need to run within <laughs> yeah, a right. proper block, you right. know, you, you can't kill Tiamat at the first level adventure or, <laughs> or whatever it might be, you know, and it was that exact thing of, you know, I'm still friends with him. He's an awesome guy and he does run a great game but he's not an organized play DM mm -hmm. because he's just, he has his story and he weaves it magically. Right. But it doesn't work at a convention. Right. right. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about this explosive growth of D and D that we are seeing. Is that, first of all, like we're, I'm seeing it in the news and I'm certainly, you know, I, 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 I keep track of uh, how many uh, tweets are using the D and D hashtag uh, month to month. And I can see this clear trend. And uh, are you seeing that same kind of growth over the past five years or so? We are. Um, like I said, I listen. I've played since 
you know, basic, you know, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's advanced. That's exciting. Um, you know, we've gone through the ebbs and flows, you know, so we, you know, we went through the third edition boom in mm -hmm. 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one seems bigger. Really? Like it's, um, one of the biggest things I've seen is the average age of the person sitting at the table has been going down, mm -hmm. you know, and this has shown up. I know Wizards has done some studies on it as well, but the average age of the gamer is decreasing, right. which is great because for the, you know, the previous 15 years. Yeah. It's like, oh, this, this hobby is dying with us. It's, it's like it was yeah. in my side pocket. And as I went right. merry along, I dragged it with me. Yeah. And it's now behind me, you know, it's behind me by like 15 years, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, my daughter comes home and talks about the D and D club and how it became much cooler because a couple football players decided to join it last year. <laughs> when I was in high school, that never would have happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only football player that played D and D was me. And, <laughs> you know, and I got picked on for it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's great seeing the age dropping. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, like for a long time, especially I think in the third, late third and, and in the fourth edition age era, looking around, we were like, you know, we're afraid this hobby is going to die with us. Yes. Right. That like, you know, everyone else is going to move to video games and everything else. And, and I think it did happen be... for a bit, right? It was and I think that, it did. Yeah. But I don't you know, think it. It stole that generation. Right. But I, that generation's I, come back. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we thought it was dying because of the medium. Mm -hmm. right that that we just thought like a bunch of people sitting around a table rolling dice regardless of what the rule set is and regardless of anything yep. else and then i think it turned out that you know there's there's you know yeah i mean i think board games it, really are. you yeah. know i think board games in a lot of ways were that bridge between uh the the video game playing mm -hmm. and coming back to the tabletop playing Mm -hmm. Because they realized, hey, wait a minute, I can still sit around the table and make fun of all my friends, <laughs> just <laughs> right. like I'm doing in the video game, yeah. except we're actually all sitting around the table together as opposed yeah. to having headsets on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I like to think of it as from like a computational standpoint of like imagine a game console that had more power than all of the computers in the world put together, all chained together and, you know, with some of the best you know, a capability to compute all this stuff and maybe an actual piece of software, a full artificial intelligence piece of software that could respond to you. And that's what you have when you have another human being on the other side of the table. It's what, right? it's what we've always wanted as nerds since back then. <laughs> right, it's like we had that. We've had it all along. <laughs> but we were trying to create it on a Commodore 64. Yeah, right. Well, maybe years. just talk to your buddy, right? Yeah, like, yeah it's fascinating. You know, and it is. And it's funny because I think a lot of those people have realized that the video games that they're playing, you know, these massive games yeah. are just D&D &D games. Right. Right when they're playing Halo or Destiny yeah. or Destiny Two, yeah. it's just a D and D game. Yeah, right. It's usually all not, came... not quite as good and as flexible. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. It isn't, and I think that's what brings them to the D and D eventually is they right. realize that they're playing this story, but sometimes those rails are really <laughs> big and obvious. Right. Yeah. Look, it's the giant wall that I can't climb over no matter how much I try. Yeah, that doesn't exist in D and D. So they realize, hey, wait, I can still get this awesome, cool story but I can literally do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's cool. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a friend of mine, my a longtime childhood friend of mine and his family were visiting, including his son, who's I think 14 or 15, right at that perfect age. And his son played Skyrim like crazy and talked about it, but I was talking about D and D and he's like, Oh yeah, D and D is great. And he's like trying to explain it to his mom. I was like, this is like, you can do anything. You can take a crap wherever you want. <laughs> his mom's like, you know, 
Josh. Exactly. What are you teaching my kid? <laughs> it's like, why was that? Why that was the limitation? Like that's what you wanted in a game? It's such a 15-year-old response. It's um, it's it's funny. So what kind of so now that you're seeing this new influx of people, and particularly you're seeing much younger people coming to the table, are you seeing changes in their expectation in what they want from the game than they did five years ago or or even further back? Um something we so the newer generation so so say let's go back 10 15 years ago mm -hmm. and i said cool i'm gonna run this epic game at gen con and it's gonna be 12 hours long we're gonna have candles on the table bring extra mountain dew there would have been a line of people lined up right there would have been that's right. awesome right the new group coming in would be like nah i'm good hmm. they don't they want to play two to four hours interesting um and it's it's so it's they want to sit down and play D D. But then, like, okay, cool, and they want to go do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're. Uh, you know, we have a we've put a lot more two-hour games into our schedules, and every year I have to keep upping the number of people I run them that I have running them. It's you know, they love playing D and D, but for them, it's it's almost like not a board game, but it's that mentality of I'm going to sit down and play D and D for two to four hours, mm -hmm. and, and then I'm done, and I'm going to move on. Yeah, interesting. You know, or they set one day aside and say, "Hey, this is my D and D day," mm -hmm. and then they go do something different. You know, when it used to be on a Thursday, I'd see the crowd roll in, mm -hmm. and I could probably count ninety-five percent of them would be there the next morning, <laughs> the next morning, the yeah. next morning, right? Yeah. And there still is that group, but that group's shrinking, and yeah. uh, which is great for the hobby because they're going and playing other things, right? Which is mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but they're looking for for shorter arcs um the other thing is you know a home game we always have this we always think about this epic level home game right we're gonna be play for five or ten years or that's <laughs> some guy on the internet i saw who has his home game that's been going for like 24 years yeah i saw that yeah the uh, the, the new players don't seem to want that hmm. which i think we see with how wizards is putting out their content now you know, they put out their new storyline, right? We're all going to Avernus, you know, and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be fun. Right. They play that for nine months and yeah. go, okay, cool, I'm done. Uh -huh. Right? And they make a new character or they take a break and they come back. Mm -hmm. You know, they see D&D as, I'm going to play this game and it's going to have a conclusion and that conclusion is going to happen sometime in the next four to seven months. Mm -hmm. And then, cool, I'm going to move on to the next thing, mm -hmm. you know, which is a different mindset, or, or at least for me. Right, my home games last years, right? Before you know, before we ever get to a conclusion. Right. Um, so it's a bit different. Interesting. Is there is there any change in how much attention they want or how much of a focus of the game they want on things like combat versus role playing or story versus kind of tactics? Anything that you see in that regard? I think the 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 newer groups coming in like the story, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody likes rolling dice. Mm -hmm. Um but you know the new generations as they come in, especially with, um, you know, finally we're seeing a lot more women around the table. We're mm -hmm. seeing a lot more just diversity around the table, mm -hmm. which you know, which is great and it's awesome. It's not as much about that tabletop war game mentality mm -hmm. as much as it is about the story. Mm -hmm. um, we're actually running an event uh, for the first time at Gen Con that is actually going to have no DMs. It's it's going to be a full D and D LARP, hmm. you know, basically for the first time. And I don't think I could have really pulled it off ten years ago mm -hmm. without really pulling people's fingers and thumbs to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, this time, people are coming out of the woodwork 
wanting to yeah. with it, wanting to, to play it. You know, they're, they're just excited about, it's all about the story. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. It's interesting. You talked about the time because the best D and D experience I've ever had in my life was at, I think it was origins last year uh, with the um, dragon heist. Oh, uh, the open. Yeah. The dra Yeah. The open. Yeah. Right. The open. Yeah. And it was, I think it was 10 hours. Yep. It was, it was uh 10 hours. Yeah. It was 10 hours. We had a break in the middle, Yeah, but you're right. There was, there wasn't a lot of combat. In dice I, I, we had, we had one fight against one guy in one room and we screwed up. That was the only reason we fought the guy. Mm -hmm. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole game. Right. It, it kind of really, this, this sort of got me thinking a lot about all the things we're talking about today, because in that case, uh, I had a DM who had, I think, only been DMing, I think, less than a year. And she's definitely one of the best DMs I ever played with. She was wonderful. And our group was great. It helped that we all kind of knew each other. Yeah. Um, and just and that, that meant that the players could be silly. So, like, you know, they had the fan, right? One, one whole thing. Yeah, was we had the fan. To, fan. To... And he was doing this fan dance around the table, you know, and it was just <laughs> hysterical. And, and so it, was, it, it showed me, like, what a game first of all it showed me how heists work and work well in D&D but it also showed me just how um you know that and how the 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 number of years a DM has been running D&D doesn't necessarily equate to how much fun they bring to the table exactly um and also about how you can have a 10 hour long D&D game with one fight against one character and everyone still loves it Exactly. And everybody loved the event. You yeah. know, it, it was yeah. it was a great event. I think you're right. It, it proved that you give people a cool enough story mm -hmm. and then give them agency. Yeah. That and that, that had a lot of agency in that in that adventure. Like then they have fun because yeah. players could come up with anything they wanted to do. You know, they could come up with the craziest plan in the world and you'd be like, all right, let's try it. Right. <laughs> right? And, right. you know, and it, it was a really, really good event. Yeah. So uh, we want to take some questions that we have received on Twitter and also probably folks on Twitch. Uh, as always, our guardian angel, uh, Rudy Basso, has been monitoring all of that and listening to our conversation. Rudy, what questions do you have? Hello. Hi. How are you? Here's some questions. First question. What are some of the adventures that have gotten the best feedback from players? And you're not allowed to mention the Open because we just talked about that one. We won't mention the Open. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, we're... We're, we're partial to um, some of our own Moonshade Isle stuff that we've been doing. You know, we've been kind of given our uh, our own little bit of a sandbox to play in. Um, but we have Moon 2-2. Um, I forget the name. So Dave is horrible with names. So <laughs> I will apologize for that in advance. Um, you know, Eric Mengi is a, a lunchtime buddy of mine. What's that? Eric Mengi. Oh, yes. He, Eric, and, I, he and I get lunch every couple of weeks. When, when we figured out what area we were going to get in the moonshades, you know, what we were going to do, uh, as soon as I knew we were doing stuff in the moonshades, he was the first person I thought of, and I thought he was going to chop my arm off in saying yes quickly, because um, it is just so an Eric Mangy. It's Army of the Unseen. Army of um, the Unseen. Moon 2-2. Two -two. Um, and it's a scary adventure right? Mm -hmm. But it works really, really well about building tension and drama and really freaking the players out. Is this the abandoned village with the yep. ghosts? Yeah, I remember that. I played that one. Yep. And so that one's, that one's happened. That one's gone over really well. 
Um, that's a hard question to answer just because by running so many shows, mm -hmm. I see so many adventures mm -hmm. that they all just start blurring together. Are there, are there types of adventures or, or sort of traits of adventures that you see tend to be more popular than others? Like we've been, we've been talking about DMs all this time. And I know. Um, we found, uh, and it's, so it's a format we use, we find players really like trilogies. Uh -huh. um, you know, one adventure kind of wets your whistle. Right. You know, two or three days is a bit too much. Mm -hmm. um, so we write all of our stuff in trilogies. Mm -hmm. you know, so people kind of have that introduction, the middle, and they get the big fun conclusion at the end. Um, but you have to have, you have to give the DM the tools. Mm -hmm. You know, some DMs are really good at improvising. And if there's a, you know, there's the three big pillars. Mm -hmm. You know, if the adventure's kind of missing one of the pillars, a really good DM can improvise that pillar. Mm -hmm. And the players don't even realize that the pillar's missing. That's cool. Um, but a good adventure really gives the DM all three sets of tools mm -hmm. to really deal with that random table that they're going to have sit down with them. Because right. you're right, you're going to have the table that just wants to role play and never roll a dice. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have the other table that's just looking for the next time. Or, for you to or worse, you have half a table that wants to do it without rolling any dice and half yeah. a table that wants to you know do those are the tough tables moscow right? tough tables but uh <laughs> but it's fun because if you a, a good dm is going to mess those two halves of the table mm -hmm. and real make them realize at the end that they have a lot more in common than they don't have in common mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they, they might use different sets of tools to deal with the problems that are presented but at the same time you know they're both getting to the same end right uh, Rudy, what else you got? So you touched, oh, that last question was from Blake Ryan, by the way, in Twitch chat. We have another one from David Chrisman. You touched on new DMs. How many new players do you see at tables these days? Have you had to like gauge maybe percentage wise? That's a good one. Um, it really depends on the show. Um, like a show like a Winter Fantasy or an Origins are what we really call um, the really established shows. You know, they're uh, so a lot of the players are they, they've been playing for a while, and by a while, I mean two, three, five years plus. Mm. Um, so at those shows, the new players usually, when they drag a buddy that they used to play in high school with, <laughs> they kind of drag them to the show. Uh, that's where we see that new player. Um, it shows like packs, um, the, the percentage of new players sitting down can sometimes be 50 to 70 percent or greater. Mm -hmm. right players they have no characters a lot of times they just bought their set of dice in the hall before they came over to play you know and they're just clutching the dice in their hand and they're just ready to go um but there's definitely been an increase you know along with um you know the average age of the player decreasing mm -hmm. you know by default it means the first time players showing up are increasing mm -hmm. um our introduction like I said our introduction to D, &D events at gen con we'll probably run between a thousand and 1500 people through one of those games, which is insane. <laughs> I won't run that many through a game of intro at every other show put together. Wow. Uh, Rudy, what else you got? So uh, Baldman does run other games besides Dungeons and Dragons, correct? Have you seen a rise in popularity of these other RPGs as well with the sudden growth that Dungeons and Dragons has seen? Um, it has. Uh, so, you know, at our shows, we run Shadow of the Demon Lord. Uh, at Gen Con, we're running Esper Genesis, uh, which is, you know, fifth edition in space. Uh, Rich does a great job. Um, what else are we running? We're running Arcanus, which is Paradigm, and Henry. 
Um, and it used to be those games were, oh, there's one more. Oh, we're running Alternity, you know, from Sasquatch Games. Uh, you know, those guys, I've known them from way back in the third edition D&D days. Um, it used to be those games were filled by leftover D&D players, mm -hmm. right? So it was, hey, we sat every possible D&D table we can. We still have these 30 people. Hey, we can't get you into a D&D game. Would you like to play some Alternity? Would you like, right? And so the tables went off but they went off kind of because we had overflow, right? And it kind of spilled off into those events. Um, now those events are actually selling out on their own, right? Which is, which is great, um, you know? And so that didn't happen in the past. So they're, they're, they are gaining pop popularity, um, but D&D is still the king of the castle, <laughs> right? At the end of the day. It's also your, it's your one chance to to actually get to play a game like Shadow of the Demon Lord with Rob Schwab and get the quote unquote full Schwab experience. The full Schwab experience does take parental consent. I've had I've had idea. that. I have to say I've had the full Schwab experience I think three times now. Yes, we bring Rob comes out. Uh, he comes out to Winter Fantasy with us every year, and uh, and yeah, he runs his games and. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I would love to see his feedback slips if you have those. Oh, for Rob. Are they just are they just mad scrawlings of twisted runes and well, symbols that should never have existed? You know, everybody just circles fives, right? Because <laughs> just does perfect. You know, on the back it'll say red rum or it'll right. say, yep. you know, yep. bring me an old priest and a young priest. And yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I have I have one more question for you that I wanted to ask, and it's a, a smaller question, but it's one that we kind of touched on in, in earlier stuff too, mm. uh, particularly when talking about preparation. And I know that it's one of the questions that you ask on your uh, on your player uh, your your feedback form. Mm. Uh, how important uh, is rules knowledge uh, compared to the other aspects of DMing? Yeah. So there's four questions that we ask on our survey. Um, they're rules knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, fun, you know, which we've touched on a few different times, friendly and prepared. Mm -hmm. um, out of those four, knowledge is actually what I would consider the least of the four. Interesting. Um, so for example, prepared is the number one item. Mm -hmm. If your prepared number is low, so we write, we have numbers one to five, right. you know, five being awesome. So a perfect score would be 20. Right. Um, and to put this out there, we have DMs that have been DMing for me for probably 10 to 14 years, mm -hmm. whose ratings out of 20 are like 19.97, wow. 19.98. Yeah. Um, you know, we have some really great guys. Um, but if your prepared number is low, all the rest of your numbers are going to be crap. Really? It's, it's like you can... It's a pattern. You can draw that, you can draw that correlation. You no. Know, now, say your knowledge number is low. Yeah. It doesn't affect the rest of them. Yeah. You know, so, and you'll get those comments of, you know, hey, Bob ran a really fun game. He seemed to really know what he was doing, but we had to pause a few times because he had to look a few things up, mm -hmm. right? And so he'll be five, four, five, three, mm -hmm. right? Not a horrible score, but that three will be in knowledge. Players are very, very forgiving mm -hmm. of you having to look up a rule mm -hmm. because they realize there's a lot of books and there's a lot of rules, you know, um, they're very forgiving of knowledge, of your rules knowledge. They are very unforgiving of you not being prepared. Interesting. Is there any, um, so f fun and friendly feel pretty tied together. Do you regularly see where they have one but not the other? Um, 
not too much because you're right they do tie i mean they're we're trying to do two like, things this guy was really it's fun but game. what an asshole <laughs> no it's right it's hard to be an asshole and run a fun game <laughs> right. well uh, noticed... we were talking about rob schwab before exactly There's so some we, there are some people. examples out there exactly i know some people that could pull it off and get a one and a five you know um <laughs> but uh they are kind of tied together um but friendly edges out fun a bit really so it's better to be friendly if you're prepared and you're friendly because if you're friendly and have you know you're prepared and you're friendly and you screw something up and you're like oh man i just totally boned that can we go back and fix that the (laughs) players laugh with you right and you move on right (laughs) but if you're not friendly of oh i just screwed that up sucks to be you guys and you just keep going totally different experience for the players is is, is the if we look at like what a one and a five looks like on that score what does a one look like is that adversarial it's usually ones come with so no we have a space where people can type in comments yeah you know fives and fours if somebody types a comment it's usually like great dm awesome job right it's usually something simple Mm -hmm. when you get ones there's usually a thesis on the back of it. <laughs> I've written some so of those theses. I've had one people on paper and stapled it to the. <laughs> um, you know, they really want me to know why they really. Well, and, and like I, I guess it's, is that good though? Like that should give you, it feels like that would give you more context as a guy who has written essays like that before. Exactly. I, w- I would hope that it's better than, you know, what an a-hole. <laughs> right, right. which doesn't tell you exactly what happened you know constructive feedback is better <laughs> yeah. than just I don't, yeah uh, i don't know mine i don't know that mine was always constructive you know scratched on the back of a piece of yeah. paper you yeah. know yeah. Uh, sean merwin's door killed my character his door yeah he killed me with a door nice yeah <laughs> it's okay i cornered him at a bar and we chatted about it for like an hour nice yeah well, I, I call it a chat i don't know that he'd refer to it that way <laughs> it might have been a chat it might have been a inquisition he did, he did win the lifetime achievement award for balding games so. though yes he yes he did so you just know, show that wins. to me it's like well you know whatever you think i won the lifetime achievement award exactly <laughs> i i owe sean probably more dinners and beers than I could ever <laughs> he's a fantastic um he's a fantastic member of our community so yeah sean yeah sean and i've known each other for probably almost 20 years at this yeah, point so yeah, yeah um so that's really interesting so yeah and and i i, I you know i kind of led that question a little bit right because we hear it a lot as a, um, you know, a common common advice that kind of gets thrown around on various social media platforms and stuff. When new DMs say like, "What do I need?" or "I'm worried that I don't know the rules real well," almost everybody says, "Don't worry about it." Like that's the, the you know, rules knowledge. You know, fall back on your players; they'll help you. You know, and I actually think there's an you know I don't have anything to back this up, but it feels like there's almost an advantage in help you know counting on your players to help you with the rules because yep. it breaks past that adversarial yep we're telling a story relationship right it's not me versus you exactly we're all and, here. you know i love my dear friend chris perkins to pieces mm-hmm. but anybody that's you know watched an acquisitions ink game he's 100 percent on the rules no chris flies loose and fast <laughs> like, right what kind of crit rule is that like, what in the world was that <laughs> but but chris focuses on the fun right, right? and nobody cares right, right right which is how it should be it's like you know i tell dms all the time you know when you get to a situation and you're not sure which way to go you're not sure the rule always pick the fun option right right 
that's it. yeah and it could be that the fun option is that the guy falls off the roof into the pig pen right that could be the fun option of the rule <laughs> just own it right own it run it and things will work out yeah yeah rudy do we have any other uh any any more questions all right uh, <laughs> I can only imagine not, what some of the questions really. are. There, so there was a question more about Moonshay and how it's kind of changed. That. You're not going to ask the Vorpal Sword versus. Knife. I'm not going to. I think candy is the better option if you're going to give your players right. uh, actual right. items at the table. I don't think Instead a knife. Of a knife. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my friend Mike. He likes to troll <laughs> me, troll me into things. It says knife. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Somebody said something. Uh, yeah. So Mike Amer asked about the Moonshade storyline and how it has changed things at Baldman Game. But yeah. you did kind of touch on that a little bit, David. No, that, that, it's probably detail. more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in particular, you guys put out, you had commissioned and, and, and wrote a whole campaign guide for that. We did. And it's actually printed. Like yeah. I have a physical copy, which I do too. was really. I got, I got one from one of the authors. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's just really weird looking back at, you know, nerdy. 11 year old me playing D D of holy crap i have a printed book like yeah it looks like a real book yeah. <laughs> and it's like so that part's pretty cool yeah i can't be happier with how that book turned out yeah um, it was it came out amazing yeah. um you know the whole moonshade project you know at as of gen con we will have put out 37 adventures in wow. like 14 months wow um, this is it all tiers it goes all the way from one to 20 uh, no, actually, our first tier three rolls out here at Gen Con. Oh, okay. So those all those adventures are tier one and two. Yeah. So we actually built. Uh, so if you use slow progression, mm -hmm. you can actually play through the entire story from start to finish with one character. Wow. And that's the way we wanted to build it. We're like, mm -hmm. we're not going to rush to tier three. We're going to tell our story, and when our story gets to that point, we get to that point. Is there a is there an overall story that's sitting on top of the trilogies? Yes, there's so each trilogy has its own story, but there is right. actually an overarching story that will go from beginning to completion, just like any hardback novel. Is it known? Um, it's starting or to become known. Like your, this is like your secret. It's know, starting to become known. They... It'll become a lot more known at Gen Con. Oh, cool. I don't want to spoil too many things, mm -hmm. but our uh, our big LARP event is actually centered around this new threat that will become more visible. Mm -hmm. And the players will actually be interacting with all the heads of the Moonshay factions, mm -hmm. the power groups, and trying to convince the factions on what what plan they should in what plan they should put into place to deal with this new threat. Wow. So the players are going to actually get to control how they're going to deal with this threat. Cool. Are they going to try to destroy it? Are they going to try to coerce it back to the the light mm -hmm. are they going to try to ally with another city to bring them in to help deal with this threat so the players get a lot of agency and how this this is the big turning point point. and so a lot of our winter fantasy adventures why they're storyboarded out they're kind of in this holding pattern waiting to see what the players decide to do at gen con oh wow that's great that's great so you're really taking the feedback not not just the feedback from the players but like what you know how they steer the course of the story Yep. And letting that drive where the rest of the adventures go. Exactly. So after after Gen Con, you know, the results of that this big conclave will become public, you know, and we'll post out this is what the heroes of the Moonshase have decided to do. And then the players will see the results of that at Winter Fantasy. That's great. That's great. 
David, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I, I, it's, you know, like I said, it's, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't have a conversation like this anywhere, right? <laughs> like <laughs> the amount of experience that you have with the number of DMs that you've seen, I think really brings a, uh, a you know, a, a, a weight to the, to the feedback that you don't get from, you know, some numbskull who runs two games <laughs> saying like, I know everything there's to know about DMing, right? <laughs> so I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. And, uh, and I hope you'll uh, come back again sometime soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Best of luck at Gen Con. That'd be great. And uh, uh, I'm Where sure- Are you going? Uh, I am not. I am not going. You know, my it's always dependent on whether I can get a close room, which is now like a one in ten shot. So, it is. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't have to play the lottery game. Yeah, I have to play my own locker game. rooms, but right. Uh, right, right. That would make it rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where can people find you, and and what do you want to pitch? <sighs> what do I want to pitch? Uh, DMs Guild, Moonshade Isles. You know, right. that's our biggest thing. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, the great thing with the adventures, it goes to the authors. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't take any of it. Everything that we have, you know, I firmly believe and when people do awesome stuff, they should be rewarded for awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, go get the Moonshade Regional Guide. We've almost hit platinum. Yeah. Um, we came out, I, I think it. came out 10 months ago and we're still on the top 10 list. Yeah, it's a beautiful. Um, so we're pretty happy with that. Um, if not, just find one of our shows. You can find me at Baldman Games on Twitter, uh, Baldman Games on Facebook, and all the other socially things that my kids <laughs> tell me I should be much cooler on, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, and baldmangames.com for our website. We're always looking for new DMs, and uh, come out and play some games. Awesome, awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And Rudy, as always, thank you for managing the show. I couldn't do it without you. Oh, thank you, Mike. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everybody who came in and chatted with us on Twitch tonight, and for all of you watching on YouTube, Thank you. And for all of you fine folks listening to the podcast, uh, thanks to you as well. And uh, we will call it a night. We will call it a night.